This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda and Brittany, and we're back, bitches, <laughs> with episode two. What are we doing this week? This week, we're going to be doing vampire murders. Yeah. Yeah. People that um, truly think they're vampires, or maybe that the media thinks that they're vampires. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Fine family fun. So... Before we kick things off, we just want to uh, recognize that on the first episode we had a little sound glitch, but I'm pretty sure all is well. Fingers crossed this comes to you um, with a little less uh, fuzz than it did before. Yep, we think we got that one yes. all figured out. Courtesy of the tech man. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what else do we need? We want to say... Thank you to all the support that we've received. It is, y'all have no idea just how much that lifts us up and helps us so much. It was truly like overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. It was overwhelming. <laughs> like I'm still speechless. I really don't even know what to say because I did not expect that much. So thank y'all so, so, so much. We expected family and close friends, but mm-hmm. like, Strangers listened. Oh, we had somebody in France listen. I know no one in France. <laughs> just saying. No. <laughs> Not a soul. But I thank you think. guys so much. And I hope y'all continue to listen. I hope we continue to be entertaining and be able to bring bring you new and interesting cases every week. So yes. Y'all. Thanks, you guys. Ooh, speaking of new stuff this week. Uh, hump day. Hump day. Hump day treat. We got us a little hump day treat. Um, this week, our treat comes to us from one of the wonderful drive through daiquiri shops that we have here in Louisiana. Thank you for that. Yes. Thanks, Daiquiri Express. Mm-hmm. So, mine is a cherry limeade daiquiri, and it's delightful. Oh, it's delicious. I got to try it. And what'd you get, Amanda? I have a sangria margarita. She got an extra shot. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm telling all your secrets. <laughs> damn it it's too early for that we just started sorry okay i'm just giving the people what they want okay well let's give them what they want then let's dive right in my case is on mr fritz Harmon. so fritz Mm. Harmon was born this is a mouthful frederick heinrich carl Harmon. Fucking Carl. (laughs) All the Carls. (laughs) Damn it, Carl. Okay, continue. (laughs) He was born on October 25th, 1879 in Germany. He was known as the Butcher of Hanover or the Vampire of Hanover. I like it. So, if you want to pop over to the notes, (laughs) I've got a picture of Mr. Harmon right here. Wearing a very... um snazzy hat it looks like um, a mount me hat <laughs> <laughs> so much <laughs> sorry he's got the hat 
the tie and his little um, Hitler mustache he's got going on there. So yeah, he's hot. No, no, he's not. No, no he's really not. He <laughs> really, really does not. have the whole Hitler beady eye. <laughs> no, I'm out. No. Yeah, I'm out. So that's Mr. Harmon. He committed sexual assault, murder, mutilation, and dismemberment of at least 24 boys and young men between 1918 and 1924. 24. No, ma'am. In six years. Nope. Nope. He's busy. So busy. So, little backstory on Fritz. He had a rough life from the very beginning. He was born into a poor family and was the youngest of six children. His father was short-tempered, argumentative, and a womanizer, which seems to be a running theme in our cases so far. Oh, my God. This is how many now? Two? Two womanizers? Well, two for me, and then you had um, you had old boy last episode, too. Pepe. Pepe. Um, he developed an extremely close relationship with his mother, who spoiled him. He was a quiet child who mm. didn't really socialize with children outside of his older siblings. His family noticed at an early age that he was a bit more effeminate and preferred dolls and dress-up over more masculine activities. Um, you do you, boo. Right? Leave Mm. the boy alone. At school, Harmon was well-behaved but performed below average academically. He left school early at age 15. He actually got his parents' permission to leave school at age 15 and enrolled in military academy. Oh, my God. (laughs) They all go to the military. At 15. (laughs) So after only a few months of being in the military academy, he presented signs of anxiety and other health issues. At 16, Harmon committed his first known sexual offense. He would lure young boys to secluded areas and assault them. After being arrested numerous times for these types of offenses, he was institutionalized in 1897. After undergoing a psychiatric evaluation, he was pronounced incurably deranged and unfit to stand trial. Fabulous. Right? Harmon was ordered to be confined to a mental institution. But, just seven months in, with the help of Mommy Dearest, he escaped to Zurich, Switzerland and lived with a relative. God damn it. What was his mother's name? Did we name her? Mommy's name is... Louise. Damn it, Louise. God damn it, Louise. Okay. Okay. In 1889, Harmon decided to go home to Hanover. So, he escaped a mental institution, moved to Switzerland. Yeah. But decided to go back to hometown. (laughs) They'll never find me here. (laughs) It's funny you should say that. Because he lived there in Hanover, worked for his father, Met a lady named Erna Lower and got engaged. Erna. So he did all of that what the fuck? under the radar. Then Erna became pregnant. Did Erna know that he was a fugitive? I'm going to guess Erna didn't. Okay. And if she did, she's a questionable character herself, I'm sure. But um, yeah. their relationship ended up dissolving when he was called to report for compulsory military service. Wait. So... <laughs> We're about to learn a lot about the 1800s German government because they let, like, he was able to get away, escaped a mental institution, and was able to get away. Yeah. Came back into the country. Nobody caught him. Then 
They call him for military service. Yeah, he was Do already not- discharged. I just had to scroll back up to it. He was already discharged only after a few months, I'm quoting you, when he presented signs of anxiety and other health issues. What the actual? Yeah, so he was already <laughs> already told he, that he couldn't serve and was pronounced incurably deranged. And he's a fugitive. But sure, sign up. He is a wainer. So in 1901, he began to suffer from dizzy spells and was deemed once again unsuitable for military service or work. <gasps> Gasp. No. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. After he was discharged, Harmon spent the next decade living as a petty thief, burglar, and con artist. He served sure. several short prison sentences for larceny, embezzlement, and assault between 1905 to 1912. Even though he was a known criminal and homosexual, which was illegal at that point in time, sad day, the police started using him as an informant. (laughs) Seems like a reliable dude, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) How many, I I, I lost count. I don't know how many mistakes this is now. Harmon. great. I know. Harmon willingly participated as a means to keep the police distracted while he was committing his own crimes. By 1919, he was known to patrol Hanover Station and had provided the police with information relating to the extensive criminal network there. Police began to rely on his information. Okay. I, yeah. I'm going with it. Okay, whatever. Just Yeah. Mm-hmm. Harmon began luring boys and young men back to his home with the promise of work or a place to stay or some other type of assistance as most of his victims were runaways and prostitutes. Well, I'm so glad that being an informant gave him free reign. <laughs> free reign. Uh, I know. So fabulous. He would sexually assault the boys and then, okay, take your drink and swallow. Okay, he would sexually assault them and then bite through their Adam's apple, sometimes <laughs> right through their trachea. Harmon referred to this as his, quote, love bite. <laughs> I can't even. I might need another drink for that one. I can't even. Love bite. Love bite. That is, I, I know no, love that, bite. I That's know no love, love bite. bite. That ain't a love bite. <laughs> his victims were then dismembered and disposed of, mostly in the Lane River. So, that's a river that runs through the town of Hanover. Okay. Convenient. Right. So, the first known, before I get into this part, I just want to say there are so many victims in this case. He was convicted of so many. Oh, I hate him already. And then there's so many more. Like, there's no way to know how many exactly. Okay. I can't possibly cover every single one. So... The victims that I'm going to be talking about are the ones that, like, directly pertain to the investigation or the conviction. I'm not going to be able to cover all of them. So. That's fine. Just letting you know. We would be here for days. Yeah. So, the first known murder victim was a 17-year-old runaway named Friedel Roth. Friedel? Friedel. Like, these names (laughs) are so incredibly German. (laughs) Oh, I love some good names. Right. Friedel. Roth uh, disappeared September 25th, 1918. His friends told police he was last seen with Harmon at Hanover Station. 
After pressure from Roth's family, police raided Harmon's apartment in October 1918. So it took them a month. Yeah. To go, and even though he was the last person seen with this kid, it took them that long to go search his apartment. Get ready for this one. You're stressing me out. Okay. Police found Harmon with a semi-naked 13-year-old boy. No, stop. Stop. Drink. He was charged with sexual assault and battery of a minor and was sentenced to only nine months in prison. No. What in the actual? No. Nine months. Man. The boy was 13. That and he was half sick. naked. That makes me sick. Why? <sighs> Harmon later told police that when they searched his apartment, the head of Friedel Roth was wrapped in newspaper and hidden behind the stove. What? It's hi- oh my god! You yeah. have it highlighted. There's a picture. Yes. Go to the notes, <clears throat> and you'll see a picture of detectives searching the stove where the head was hidden behind. So this is just like a tiny little heater stove. But apparently, I don't know how, the head was hidden behind there. It's so, that's a tiny stove. Wrapped in newspaper. It really is. I mean, it's it's tiny, tiny. Even if you didn't, like, even if you didn't see it, did you not smell it? It's a head in newspaper. I I mean, I would imagine a head would start to smell. Yeah. Maybe not. After a month. Well, maybe (laughs) not. Well, yeah, okay, after a month. But I was going to say maybe not as much as the body because you have all the digestive contents and everything that really stink. That's true, but it's a month's worth of rotting flesh and newspaper. You know, there's some maggots and flies. Oh, oh, ah. You know. (laughs) Yes, that's correct. But we're not going to go into that right now. Ew. Yeah. So, the second known murder occurred in February of 1923. The victim was a 17-year-old pianist. I love that word. Pianist. 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 Named, here's another German name for you, Fritz Frank. Oh! Or Frank. Frank. I like Frank better. Frank. Fritz Fritz Frank. Frank. So, no matter how it's pronounced, it's Frank now. I like it. Harmon met in Hanover Station on... Oh March twentieth, Hanover Station. Yeah, yeah because just he, shut the place down. Because he patrols Hanover Station, like that's where he goes to get information for the police. Yeah, because snatches he's so young boys. Reliable. Mm-hmm. On March twentieth, Harmon encountered Willem Scholes at Hanover Station while Scholes was on his way to work. Scholes's remains were never found, but his clothing was found in the possession of Harmon's landlady. Okay. So he just gave old boy's clothes to his landlady. There you go. Yeah. 16-year-old Roland Hutch disappeared May 23rd after he told a friend he was going to be running away to join the military. So, you know, he crossed paths with Harmon at Hanover Station. Of course he did. On May 17th, 1924, two children playing near the Lane River found a human skull. It was determined to be... (laughs) Yeah, tra-la-la-la-la down the river, and there's a head. Um, it was determined to be a male. <laughs> Holy fuck, Brittany, what is this? I don't know. Grab it! <laughs> that, that's probably how we that's would how have that would go, gone. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it was determined to be a male between the ages of 18 and 20 years old with evidence of stab wounds. 
Two weeks later, another skull was found nearby, also to der- also determined to be an 18 to 20 year old male. Soon after go. that, two other children were playing in a field and discovered a sack containing human bones. Oh, more toys. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. These poor kids. I know. Can you say trauma? Ah, uh, a little bit. Um, June 13th, two more skulls were found. Both of these skulls had been severed from the spine with a sharp object and showed evidence of being scalped. Oh. So that's new. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Spice it up a little. Right. Residents of Hanover came together and searched the banks of the Lane River because the police weren't doing it. So somebody had to. Because the police are fuck faces. Right. They found numerous human bones and handed them over to police. Police decided to drag the section of the river that ran through Hanover. More than 500 human bones and sections of body were found <clears throat> because they were at all different stages of decomposition. So some still had flesh on them. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Bodies near water are disgusting. Nope. Yeah, and that's a lot. 500 pieces. God. Many of the remains had evidence of knife wounds. A doctor mm-hmm. confirmed the findings belonged to 22 different people. Holy crap. Hold yeah. on. Well, I'm doing... Fi- hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Are you trying to math? I'm trying to math right now. Oh I'm my. just... My, my ADD brain, like, kicked in. So, 500 human bones. 22 different people. That's literally, like, 22 bones per person. That's a lot of bones. 22 and a half bones per person, <laughs> to be exact. Way to math. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Harmon quickly fell under suspicion because of his 15 previous convictions of various offenses, including child molestation and sexual assault and battery. They were also okay. able to connect him to the disappearances of Friedel Roth and Herman Koch. Oh, thank God. My little yeah. Friedel. Poor Friedel. Harmon was then put under surveillance by two undercover police officers. On the night of June 22nd, officers observed Harmon arguing with 15-year-old Carl Fromm. So Harmon notices these police officers. Okay. And he approached them and insisted that they arrest the boy for traveling with forged documents. What? Yeah, he's just trying to get the attention off himself. He's like, hey, we're only arguing because... He's got forged documents. You need to arrest him. Okay. And so they did. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) After the boy was arrested, he told police that he had been living with Harmon for four days and was repeatedly raped, sometimes at knife point. Police Mm. then arrested Harmon for sexual assault and searched his apartment. If you want to go to the notes. Yeah, I do. I got another picture there. That um, just shows a corner of Harmon's apartment. It was like a studio attic apartment. And so you see like this jankety little bed in the corner. Oh my goodness. With his kitchen. It looks like his kitchen right next to his bed. Or is that his toilet? Ew. I don't, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. There is a. Either way, it doesn't need to be next to his bed. If you look up by his head, there is a pot with a lid on it, like a bedpan pot. Oh, gross, gross. I didn't notice that. The porcelain old ones. I see that. I didn't notice that. I'm hoping that's by his feet. Either way. Whatever. He's a sick 
asshole oh, anyways. So I don't care if he Yeah, this is I mean it's this is ooh. disturbing. It's disturbing. When they were searching his apartment, they saw that the flooring, walls, and bedding were extensively bloodstained. Yes, I would say so. Many of the boys' clothes and personal possessions were found in the apartment or were given to acquaintances. Like earlier, they had found one of the boys' clothes with his landlady. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. Like That's how he was disposing of some of these people's stuff. He was just like giving it to randoms. <laughs> Harmon's neighbors told police about the frequent numerous male visitors to the apartment. Many of them witnessed him leaving his home late at night or early in the morning with heavy bags and baskets. A few people even witnessed him tossing these bags into the Lane River. See something, say something. Jesus Christ, people. You see him carrying bags that can only be filled with bodies and throwing them in the river. Especially if it happens more than once. I mean, oh my God, even who cares if it turns out to be leaves or trash or whatever, who cares? Right. He could have been caught out so much earlier. I'd be the first one to tattle. If I notice him more than one bag doing that and tossing it into the river, I'm sorry. I'm I mean, I'd at least you. be gossiping with the neighbor that would definitely go and report it. You know, I mean, I'd at least tell somebody is yeah. what I'm saying. Oof. On June 29th, the belongings of 18-year-old Robert Witzel were found in Harmon's apartment. Mm. The day of Witzel's disappearance, a friend saw him with Harmon. When the police came to Harmon with all of the evidence, he finally broke down. Oh, thank God. Ugh. Yeah. Harmon confessed to raping, killing, and dismembering many young men in what he initially described as, <clears throat> quote, a rabid sexual passion. Passion. No. Love bites and yeah. rabid sexual that, passion. That's a little bit more than a passion, honey. I have passions, okay? <laughs> like this, this podcast is a passion of mine. Yeah. That's not a passion. That is, no. that is a sick You're passion. eating people's throats. Yeah. He claimed he never intended to kill his victims. He just had an irresistible urge to bite through their Adam's apple. It's just an urge. He didn't mean to kill them. Harmon would mm. only confess to the murders that police had concrete evidence for. When he asked, <laughs> or when he was asked how many victims he had in total, Harmon claimed somewhere between 50 to 70. That's a big window there. That's impressive. But isn't it crazy how, like, they can't do anything about that. He can say, yeah, I killed 70 people. Yeah, but they have no evidence but there's or no anything evidence. to back it up. Yeah. So it's just, so he okay, can't. They can only charge him for what they can prove. Yeah, he can't technically confess to that it happens a lot yeah the trial took place in december of 1924 it received extensive international attention the case was described as quote the most revolting case in german criminal history yes i would say it does qualify yes rumors swirled that Harmon ate his victims or that he sold the meat on the black market as pork or horse meat oh no <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't think it I, I, like I thought we were wrapping it up. I didn't think that it was. I gonna... mean, we are wrapping it up, but this one yeah, just keeps you just riveted right to the very end. Nowhere. Thanks for that. <laughs> God. While Harmon did sell uh, black market meat, there was no evidence found to confirm either of these claims. So it's just mm. just rumors, as far as we know. There was also extensive okay. police scrutiny since Harmon had been an informant and was never suspected despite his criminal history 
and the fact that many of the missing boys had last been seen with him. So, if you want to go to the notes, a picture of Fritz with detectives. Ah! This is after he had been arrested. This is during the trial. Wait. And he's just standing there all chummy with, with the detectives. He's oh, the one. I thought, he, I thought this was a picture because you can see a photographer taking a picture of the, like. For the trial. Yeah. For. Okay. Yeah. But it just looks like four friends standing on a street. Yeah. And he's just casually chilling. standing there in the middle. He's the one without the hat on. And he's just, he's just hanging out. Chilling with his buds. Okay. Bro time. Yeah. They look like good chums. So, of course, they were scrutinized. The trial lasted two weeks. <laughs> That's all the time they needed. I mean, I'm surprised it took that long, honestly. Right. Harmon was found guilty and sentenced to death by beheading. Bebay. <laughs> there was no appeal made on the verdict since Harmon stated if he were at liberty, he would likely kill again. Oh, my God. <laughs> at Why least not? he's honest. Why not? I mean, sure. Yeah. The night before execution Harmon was granted his final wishes of smoking an expensive cigar and drinking brazilian coffee okay yeah don't hate it right on april 15th 1925 fritz Harmon was beheaded by guillotine at hanover prison yes press was not permitted to attend the execution there were very few witnesses at all Harmon's last words were i am guilty gentlemen but hard though it may be i want to die as a man I repent, but I do not fear death. Well, good for him. Right. After the execution, sections of Harmon's brain were removed for forensic analysis. <laughs> yeah. Okay. His head was then preserved and kept at Gotagen, Gotagen Medical School. Sure. Until it was cremated in 2014. So if you want to go to Wait. the notes, go no. to the notes. Are you serious? Go to the notes, and you can see Harmon's preserved head. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love you. Just hanging you out right there by so the microscope. right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay. It just, okay. like, hung out on a shelf somewhere until they got ready to cremate it in 2014. Okay. Photos, photos are posted. Y'all, go to Facebook or Instagram. They're there. I promise. Always look at the photos. Oh, my God. You have to see this photo. Yes. Ah. Makes the story a little more colorful. I can't. I'm a little lightheaded now. I've only got like two more sentences. We're good. (gasps) Um, The remains of the victims that were found were buried together in a communal grave. And a memorial is inscribed with the victims' names and ages. So I also have a picture of that, the communal grave. Of all of his oh. victims. Holy. That's a lot of names. That's way too big of a memorial. Yeah. Mm. And it's very nicely done. But. Mm. Yeah. So that's it. That's all I got. Holy crap. Girl. <laughs> that's some good shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. It's your turn. Tag. <laughs> now I'm gonna drink on my drink. Are you ready? Tell me something good. Oh baby. <laughs> I got three somethings goods. Yay! Okay. <laughs> Mine okay, I have three separate cases because I have a delicious 
one that I found while researching, and I'm saving that one for later. So I'm going with these just off the wall. I like off the wall. That's what I do. Let's do it. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> All right. Headline. Daniel and Manuela Ruda believed Satan told them to target their friend. <laughs> Daniel and Manuela. Manuela. <laughs> Daniel and Manuela Ruda of Western Germany believe Satan told them to end their friend's life. What is it with the Germans? <laughs> <laughs> Telling you. I, I don't know. <laughs> we didn't even do that on purpose. No. That's scary. German vampires. That's a thing German now, vampires. apparently. Yeah. Okay. The young couple, self-proclaimed Satanists and vampires, married <laughs> on the sixth day of the sixth month, June, to signify the number of the beast. Wait, wait, wait. Where's the other six? Oh, it was in 2006. Oh, that's why. <laughs> okay. 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 There you go. There we go. So, yeah. Manuela sometimes slept in a coffin. She also had her teeth removed and animal fangs implanted in their place. That's not okay. I know. I get a good dentist. People do it though. I mean, what about the people that have their teeth like that the cat dude that had his teeth filed down and he has like all sharp pointy okay. teeth for his But for that's teeth? not an actual animal's teeth. Yuck. She had an animal's teeth implanted into her? Yeah, I want to know what kind of animal. I I'm need really, to know what kind of know. animal. Probably a dog. That's it was so probably gross, a dog. though. And how did you acquire said animal teeth? What happened <laughs> to the animal? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Just get a good dentist. I mean, I'm sure you can order it off of Wish or Amazon or something. I've seen teeth on Wish. That's so gross. <laughs> I shit they you do not. Have them. I saw it. Oh, they have like a whole set that you can just. It's, it's not it's like, okay. It's like the press on nails. You just take them off and stick them on. I cannot imagine that um, that looks good. People listening, don't do that. Don't okay. order your teeth off. Wish. I don't know if y'all know, but we we are dental industry. Yes. Women. No. No. no don't order no. your teeth off. Wish. Don't moving do that. on. D okay. Moving on. <laughs> okay. Jesus. I know. Their first forays into blood drinking took place with consensual volunteers at gatherings they attended in England and Scotland, often held in cemeteries or in old ruined buildings. I see you throwing your hands up. Okay, yes, Brittany, you may go. <laughs> so how does this even work? Do you just walk up to somebody and be like, yo, is it cool if I bite your neck? Is it cool if I drink your blood? Can I see your wrist? No, you just like, it's it's like you put out an invite, word gets around, hey, so come a, hang hey. with us in the graveyard if you're cool with us sucking your blood? Or is it I like mean, a wrist for wrist thing? Like There are followers of all of it, word gets around, <laughs> you suck my wrist and I'll suck yours. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't say anything because I was a follower of True Blood. I've seen every single episode of that okay. and that's, a, that's kind of a cult. <laughs> I watched Vampire Diaries. I was Who into Vampire Diaries. Not? Why would you not I watch still Vampire didn't, like, Diaries? I still didn't hang out in cemeteries and, you know. No, we just take pictures in them. Yeah, that's okay, though. That's different. <laughs> we didn't drink each other's blood in the cemetery. No, we did play with the freaking haunted Ouija board, though. <laughs> that's another we story. We didn't play for with it. We day. just touched it. <laughs> we just touched it. We just touched it. Another story for another day. Okay, yeah. 
<laughs> it was a good time. The couple said Satan told them they needed to end their friend, 33-year-old Frank Hagen. Really? <laughs> they picked Hagen because, according to Manuela, he was so funny and would be the perfect court jester for Satan. Oh, my God. Yeah. Manuela. So, good old Frank Hagen. Funny little guy. <laughs> they invited Hagen over, telling him that they were going to a party. Daniel hit Hagen in the head with a hammer, and they stabbed him 66 times. Well, he's fallen short then. It should have been 666 yeah, they're times. they're fucking up. <sighs> they're disappointing Satan. Yeah, it's a significant number for the couple. I mean, g- come on. Get it right. Get with it, people. After he passed, they carved a pentagram into his stomach, drank his blood, had sex in Manuela's coffin, and prayed to Satan. That sounds like good times. Sounds like a great Saturday night to <laughs> oh me. God. I really wish, like, <laughs> I, I really want to know what this coffin looks like and how much room is in the coffin for extracurricular activities. Apparently enough. I don't know. If you look at the picture of her, she seems to be a pretty slender female. So I'm I'm imagining maybe that she could probably like bend and she's know, limber. I don't know. Okay. So at the time of their sentencing, Daniel was 26 and Manuela was 23. They made a show of the trial, flashing Satanist hand signs, which I don't. I'm clueless Satanist and threatening signs? witnesses. That's not going to help your case, bruh. Nap, nap, bruh, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> the pair denied all blame. <laughs> Sorry. Saying they were simply Satan's instruments. They compared their trial to blaming a car for a vehicular collision. Oh, okay. Manuela testified that her actions were the execution of an order. Satan ordered us to. We had to comply. It was not something bad. It simply had to be. We wanted to make sure that the victim suffered well. What in the actual fuck? Fuck. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, the jury disagreed, however. Into, you know what? Huh. No, they were not married in 2006 because it, <laughs> no, they didn't here. even get their 666 right. So they just did 66 both they times. They just did 66 both times. I mean, they added- married on June 6th and only stabbed the guy 66 times. They're not following properly. If they did it doesn't matter how many gestures they give more numbers, they would have been a way better number. Way better. I don't like the 666 stuff. I stay far away from that as possible. I don't even care. So anyways, very superstitious. So yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, baby. So the jury did, however, disagree. Like in 2002, they were both sentenced to psychiatric hospitals, Daniel for 15 years, Manuela for 13. And there is a picture of this lovely couple. That, that's the only years. That's that, all they got. That's what they got. That hardly seems fair. I know. But you know, wow. it was okay. it was 2002. What are you gonna do? She had piercings on oh, her, yeah, she's hot. the bridge of her nose. The eyebrows are those drawn or tattooed? I have so many questions about this picture. Tattooing wasn't extremely popular back then. I need to know. I have so many questions. I don't. Um, I don't know. They're um, 
prominent. That's a word for it. Yes. <laughs> there. Uh, I'm not going to be copying that look. Um, no. No. Maybe for Halloween. Oh, you can be Manuela for Halloween. I'll be Manuela. So, all right. All right. Number two. Headline. James P. Riva ended his wheelchair-bound grandmother. Okay. There's a picture of this handsome lad. Such a do-gooder. Oh, my God. And his grandma. Look at Grandma. I know. She's such a sweet little... Oh, my God. I just want to hug her. And let her feed me cookies. She probably had some good-ass cookies. She looks like she bakes good cookies. Oh, my God. Either that or she gave you alcohol when you were 10. She looks she like one way. of those. I don't know. I'm serious. Yeah, it could go either way. Look at her little either puppy, way, too. Grandma was the shit. I, I'm loving her gray on gray on gray outfit and her little puppy sitting next to her. Yeah. Oh, Grammy. Okay. All okay. right. Here we go. I'm ready. James P. Riva is known as the vampire killer for two reasons. He claimed the person he ended was a vampire. And he later said that he was a vampire himself. He's also known as the schizophrenic vampire. It it fits. As a teen, Riva became obsessed with vampires. He claimed to need to drink blood. And he would often consume a blood-like drink made of ketchup and oil. Ew. Ew. My sangria margarita does not sound so good right now. It's not ketchup and oil. Ketchup and oil. I don't know what kind of oil. Think of that texture. Surely it would be cooking oil. I don't know. Ah! I don't know. I don't know. Mm-mm. He's probably just in the kitchen with a bottle of Grammy's olive oil and some kitchen. or and Probably some because she probably baked him some bomb ass cookies. Right. With that. <laughs> Whatever. He's such an ungrateful little shit. I know. I kind of want to smack him. Look at his face. His smug little face. Oh, I don't like him. He looks like a little... I'm not... I can't even give him, like, the great term of being nerdy little prick. Like, no. He just... In 1980... Good year, by the way. Riva was 23 years old, living in Marshfield, Massachusetts. Massachusetts? (laughs) (laughs) I like that word. (laughs) He had a history of mental illness, surprise, and had been in several institutions. I cannot talk tonight. He had dealt with voices telling him to what to do nearly all his life. On April 10th, 1980, the voices told him he needed to end his 74-year-old grandmother, Carmen Lopez, who was in a wheelchair and whom he believed to be a vampire plotting to take his life. Oh, my gosh. Okay. He painted bullets gold, which he said another vampire told him would terminate vampires. What? No. 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 Bullets don't kill vampires. Bullets don't kill vampires. It doesn't matter what color they are. That doesn't kill a vampire. Unless it's like on Vampire Diaries and you have like wooden bullets. Oh, that's totally different. Okay. But either way, he did it wrong. He painted a bullet gold. Okay. That's gold paint. That's not actual gold. Yeah. (laughs) You dumb fuck. Seriously, like, short of a that's not even going to work. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Okay. He then went to his grandmother's house and stabbed her in the heart. He also shot her before setting her house on fire to destroy the evidence. 
Oh, I'm so sad for Grammy Carmen. Mm-hmm. He, uh, Revis later told his mother from prison that he was a 700-year-old vampire that he had tried to drink his grandmother's blood, but she was too old and dried up. Oh, my God. He was sentenced to life in prison and has repeatedly been denied parole. Good. Yes. <laughs> Happy ending. Good God. Okay, you ready for my favorite? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Tell me more stories. This one I don't have a picture of, and I'm really upset about it. I tried to find him, and maybe... If y'all can find a picture of this dude, please, please uh, post it on the comments of our photo post. Yes, do that. If y'all can, because I, I couldn't. Headline. Alan... Menzies said that a vampire movie told him to take out his friend. Menzies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. he, he is just as much as a pain in the ass as a Menzies is for us. <laughs> yes. I'm going to assume so. <laughs> what an unfortunate last name. That's terrible. Okay. I mean, tell it- me about Menzies. Here we go. In 2003, near Edinburgh, Scotland, Alan Menzies, I may not even be saying it right because it is Scotland. He's Menzies now. But he ended his best friend's life and drank some of his blood and ate a piece of his skull. Ew. How do you eat skull? You just gnaw on Uh, it? Like peanut brittle? That's a bone. You just gnaw on it? I mean, dogs can do it. Why can't we? <laughs> I bet Manuela could. <laughs> I, bet, I bet that bitch could. Uh, yeah, you can terrible. tell. You can tell that alcohol might be starting to kick in. <laughs> okay, we have to. This is the last one. We have to get through it. Okay, we got okay. it. Tell me some more about Menzies. Okay, the reason you may ask, he said, the vampire Akasha. A character from the 2002 movie Queen of the Damned. Oh, I love that movie. Bitch. Oh, baby. Love it. Uh, yeah. So the movie told him that if he wanted to become a vampire and live forever, he was going to have to kill his best friend. Wow. I don't remember that part of the movie. I don't either. <laughs> I'm I'm a little upset that she never came to me and told me anything. Right? I'm a little left out here. We weren't worthy. I've seen that movie a few times. I know. I read the book. Whatever, Leah. She's gone now, so I can't gripe about it. Right. So, yes, he did know. He knew the victim, Thomas McKendrick, since he was four years old. Wow. Childhood bestie. Since he was four years old. Jesus. That's so sad. There's no way. He had become obsessed with the movie. And it is based on the book by Anne Rice. Yes, Queen. He saw saw it more than a hundred times. According to BBC News, Menzies also claimed the character Akasha visited him. What the (laughs) fuck? Quote, I basically agreed with her, Akasha, that if I ended people... I would be rewarded in the next life. Okay. Yeah, okay, no. On the day of the incident, Minzy said McKendrick said something against the Queen of the Damned. What? Sparking Minzy's rage. 
Like, don't be talking about my woman. Right. He hit his friend in the head with a hammer. Oh, my God. All what these- is it with the hammers? Hammer. All right. <sighs> At least 10 times. Menzies then stabbed McKendrick 42 times with a Bowie knife. That's a badass knife. As well as with a kitchen knife. Can you say overkill? Yeah, I think he went a little bit too far. The hammer like, and two knives, dude, bro. His arms hurt. I mean, my back would be sore the next day. Truth. You know? All yeah. that. Jesus. It's so much. After his friend passed, Menzies drank his blood and ate part of his skull. It still doesn't say how he ate. I don't know. I'm just. Do maybe, better, internet. Do better. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed in that. It was several weeks before McKendrick was found in the shallow grave Menzies had dug for him. And that's sweet. After his apprehension, Menzies tried unsuccessfully to plead insanity. Two psychiatrists said he wasn't suffering from, from mental illness when he targeted McKendrick. McKendrick. And Menzies received a life sentence. Yay. Good, Good deal. In 2004... Menzies did, however, take his own life in the Schatz prison near Glasgow, Scotland. I mean... I hate when they do that. That's the easy way out. In this scenario. Yeah. Like, that's... No, you were supposed to suffer way more than that. Right? Whatever. He may not have even realized that he was suffering if he was a schizophrenic and had severe mental illness and was listening to Akasha. You know, I mean, maybe she told him to do it. A sacrifice to her or something. Oh I don't my gosh. Know. You're probably right. I know. And it's sad. It's sad that so many people with mental illness don't get the proper treatment. And no, they just lock them away and stick them in a hole and they don't do anything to try to help them. Well, had he been treated properly to begin with, maybe none of this would have ever happen. Maybe. That's, it's sad. It's really that sad. That doesn't just all of a sudden happen when you're an adult. There are signs of it when you're a child. Or, or at least when you hit puberty, yeah. usually. As a, like, late teens, young adult. Mm-hmm. There, I'm done. That's it. Those are my cases. Yay! That was me. That was great. Thank you. I love the little cases. Those were cute. <laughs> I'm ready for next week, though. I'm always going to be ready for the next week. I know. It's so There's great. so many. I'm so excited. We want to give uh, a couple shout-outs. One to our friend Craig Weaver for the music. Thank you, Craig. And one to my husband, Stephen, for uh, doing all our tech work and our editing. And he's our own little personal geek squad. And it's awesome. Thank you, sir. And thanks to all of you for getting through another episode with us. Yeah. We really appreciate all your support. Um, If you would, take a minute to... Give us a review or rate us on uh, iTunes. Um, Give us a follow on Spotify. And, you know, if you are part of the Facebook page, if you want to drop us a little review on Facebook, that'd be awesome, too. Um, You should link up with one of our social media accounts, uh, Facebook at Oddities and Curiosities Podcast, or on Instagram at Oddities and Curiosities Pod, because that's where all the super cool pictures from all our cases are going to be posted. Yes, we have all the photos. We have um, just a little few tidbits here and there about what's going on. And we also throw in a few little fun things just to keep you entertained. Right. So, yeah, go give us a follow. Talk to you guys next week. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye, you guys. Bye.